I don't know why it is that just when it comes to business, so many of us let that self-doubt creep in where if, if you worked for someone else and they're telling you, you've got this task to do, you probably still have those same feelings, but you do it because that's your job and you do it anyway. If you're going to, if you want to have a child, you do have those thoughts like what if what if it's not healthy? What if something goes wrong? But that doesn't stop us having a child. Mm. But yet when it comes to business, so many women let that self-doubt tell them it's it they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not creative enough, and then they just go back to doing what they've always done. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. Today's guest is a strong, confident Leo who is a mum of four, and she's also co-founded 10 businesses, including viral multi-million dollar success stories. I'm so excited to get stuck into her background, her story, and um, I'm just overall really excited to have you on the show. Candy, a warm, warm welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. Thank you so much, Erica. I'm excited and nervous, but excited to be here. <laughs> I know I've kind of given away what's drawn me to you already in the introduction of being a mum of four is no small achievement. And then let alone having 10 successful businesses, some at a multi-million dollar level on top of that, I really want to just start with the simple question of what does having life balance mean to you? Yeah, sure. But first I just want to say I've had 10 businesses, but not all of them have been successful, <laughs> but that is That's part okay. of the learnings as well. And I feel like Absolutely. they were so valuable to my learning. So just in case anyone's listening and they think it's all been successful, it definitely hasn't, but that is part of it. And I think the main thing is when you fail, you need to learn from it and keep going and not let it stop you and knock you down. Um, but and balance, we'll get stuck into that. Don't you worry. Let's start with yeah, balance sure. and then I'm definitely going to pick your brain on the business side. Okay, so balance is an interesting thing. <laughs> I don't feel like I am balanced, but I kind of go through different seasons. So if I looked at my life like a bit of a pie chart, I would say, and all parts of my life that I need to give attention to were equal parts, I would say business at the moment in this current phase that I'm in probably takes up like at least 50% of it. And, you know, family and relationships and friendships and self-care time have to make up the rest of it but I feel like that's just a season that I'm going through right now because you would have seen I've just launched a course on how to help other women start their own business which is a bit of a passion project of mine I have my business which is going Black Friday's coming up I'm going through a rebrand I've got new products launching and so that obviously you know requires so much of my attention so my poor husband's neglected my poor kids don't get as much mum time and my friends I'm actually taking a break to have lunch with girlfriends tomorrow, but that's the first time I've done that in probably a month. So the balance in the pie chart aspect is not very equally balanced at the moment. But if I looked at it overall, over a span of time, what I try and do is balance it out in other areas. Because if we went back, say, eight months, I was deep in my self-care, self-love movement, (laughs) probably too much. So I was neglecting the other things a little bit more. But I really feel like I needed that because I had been through such a period of, I think with COVID and lockdowns and that sort of thing, I feel like I lost myself a little bit and I became really, I've, I've always been really confident when it comes to making decisions and I kind of doubted myself and everything mm. I was doing. So I spent that time putting back into me and getting to know myself and what I needed. And I have a two-year-old, so it probably that period 
after having a child as well. So I was deep in self-love there and business was a tiny part of the pie chart. So now I've had to rebalance that and get stuck back into it. So I guess what I'm saying is there's no balance if you looked at it day to day, but if we look at it overall, I feel like it does balance out. And I think as long as I'm doing little things in each day that feel good to me, that's important to me. And I make sure that I always like making my bed in the morning feels really good to me. If I'm rushing the day and I don't get that done, I feel like I've already kind of failed the day a little bit. Yeah, so if I bed, yeah it's just those little things that make you feel good. And for other people, they might not care about that sort of thing. But for me, I feel like if I make my bed and I make it really crisp and put, fluff up my cushions and do all those little things, that feels really good to me. And mm. if, I, if I take the time to make my latte in the morning or my collagen drink or something, that's just like that little bit of me time that feels like an act of self-love to me and I'm not just rushing through it mindlessly, that feels really good to me. So yeah, I think balance absolutely. is different for everyone, but just finding those little nuggets throughout the day that feel like they're just for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you've hit so many nails on the head and I'm really grateful for what you've just expressed because it aligns so perfectly with everything we talk about on the show about balance. And that is there's no one size fits all. And exactly yeah. what you said, it's uh, it's seasonal. And I like yes. to talk about it in the sense that what your definition or idea of balance is now may not be what it is going to be next time you hit the next milestone in your life or yeah, even exactly. next week or even tomorrow or even this afternoon. And so what yeah. we what we like to do on the show is to arm people with the tools and tips that they need to be like, well, this is what I need to be fulfilled in this area of my life or in this area of my life. And then you have the confidence like you've just so nicely shared to know that at different moments when you feel more lost or that your business needs more attention or that your kids might need you a little more, you can dip in and out of those areas and give more of the pie to that area of your life and take out of others. And I think that's a very healthy approach to balance. And what I love most about it is it gives you the flexibility to move with the ebbs and flows of life. Because I think if anyone tells you that you know, balance is this linear thing. It's unrealistic to the way your day actually pans out. Like you said, and I'm exactly the same. If I don't make my bed already, my day feels like it's all over the place. And it's such yeah. a simple thing. But if you wake up late and you don't have time, you know, how can you sit there and say that you're going to feel balanced the rest of the day? So sometimes it's just a, a regular thing you need to touch base with. Uh, another thing yeah. you mentioned that I really love is finding those nuggets of time throughout the day. The reason I want to bring it up is because I feel like self-care has been propped up to be this huge act of kindness to oneself, you know, something you need to either spend a lot of time or a lot of money doing. And I think both are very uh, misguiding if, if you fall into that trap of thinking that way. For me, yeah. it's simply like the first sip of my coffee. It's just that first moment that really grounds me. And sometimes it'll be like a song in my shuffle playlist that'll yeah. ground me or, um, you know, just those fleeting moments. And I think yeah. if you can start to have those um, and put them in throughout your day, another thing I've started to do is uh, just before when my alarm goes off, like I'll try and just connect with my body and how I'm feeling before I even start the day. And like you said, like making your coffee slowly or just like doing that nice act of making your bed. Like if you have those small moments peppered, it almost doesn't matter if 60, 70, 80% of your week is in work because you're not neglecting those other areas of your life. And I go yeah, through this really absolutely. nice exercise with everyone. Um, I've done it in a couple of episodes where basically I just get everyone to think about if this area of my life was satisfied, what would that look like? You know, yeah. and that's from like a non-negotiable point of view. It's not, mm -hmm. oh, well, I would like to have four lunches with my girlfriends every week. It's saying well, for you to feel satisfied in your friendships, 
what does that actually look like to you? And then you make that a non-negotiable. So it takes the pressure yeah. off feeling guilty that you're not doing 100 things all at once and, and like yes. you said, kind of realigning to the goals that you have at the moment. But speaking yeah, absolutely. of, I suppose, business and your work, let's talk a little bit about your venture, your journey into business. So why don't you share a little bit about the 10 businesses you've had kind of on a... <laughs> A high level approach. I know you said not all of them were successful, but I think yeah. that's also subjective because every single one of those businesses has probably rolled into the lessons and learnings that you have now in your current business. So Definitely. share a little bit about all the different kind of ventures that you've explored. <laughs> yeah. So my first one was a physical store. Um, I was a makeup artist and I wanted to have my own shop but I couldn't afford to have my, like a little makeup studio. I couldn't afford to have my own studio. So I just approached a hair salon that was on the main street of the area I wanted to be in. She had a little spot at the front of her store that was just the waiting area. And I asked if I could just lease that space to do pop-up makeups for formals and events and that sort of thing. And it was such a bustling street. So I thought this is perfect. I'll give her rent and that sort of thing. And she took it on and loved the idea. And then about three months later, she was selling the salon and I was devastated because I thought, you can't do this. I love this spot. Um, and I approached my family and the banks and just thought, okay, I need to, my family couldn't help me out, but I needed to get a loan and she sold the salon to me for quite a good price. So I employed hairdressers and I must've been, how old would I have been? I must've been like 24 maybe. And I had no business experience, but I just didn't even think twice about it. I jumped in, I got the loan, I got the salon. And I had no hairdressers. I didn't have staff. So I found them quick smart, employed hairdressers, and that was my first little business venture. And I got in the mail one day just a little brochure about online stores. There was a company coming from America. Online stores just weren't a thing then. This is going back 18 or 20 years, so it's a long time ago. And that was my first online store. I went to this seminar and I thought, this is really cool. I can give this a go. It was a few hundred dollars. I started my first online store as a result of going to that seminar and I went along with a friend but she was a bit hesitant she thought I don't I don't know I don't know about this I've never heard of it but I was like you know what I'm going to give it a go and that was when I moved away from a physical store into having an online store and I started my first online store doing something I knew nothing about it was wedding dresses it was very random but that was really successful because I didn't have to outlay any money it was about $300 that I put into the business everything else was customers pay before I have to spend money on the product. Mm. So I learned like a drop that. shipping type arrangement. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. I got them made in China. And a lot of people were doing it here on eBay. They were selling these wedding dresses on China. But I remember thinking the customer confidence probably isn't there. You're dealing with people in China who don't have the best communication. And there was a lot of trust issues. So I thought if I could be like the middleman mm. and have this wedding dress boutique for customers where they can have a custom made dress to their measurements and have someone here in Australia that they're dealing with. And then it would be sent to me and I could package it up really beautiful so they're still getting that experience. And so I advertised just in a bridal forum. I think it was about $300. That's where the first money was spent. And I was getting five, 10 orders a week at $550 a dress. Yeah, and wow. I didn't have to outlay any money. So I would pay the manufacturer the 100 or $120 for the dress and then I got to keep the rest. And so that rolled on and I thought, okay, this is, this is fun. This is interesting. I'll look into it from here. And I just went into another online store from there where I outlaid $0 
And that business went on within a year to make multiple six figures and I had 70 stockists. And that was very much my learning process. I had no experience. I had to learn as I went. But it's funny. I think when you're younger as well, you don't have, it was like parenting. I was 16 when I had my first daughter. And I feel like when I had my second child at 24, I second guessed everything a little bit more because when you're 16, you think you know everything. (laughs) You don't, no one can tell you what's right or wrong. You just know the right answer. I feel like it was a bit like that with my first business. I was a bit naive. So I just thought it's okay. I'll figure it out as I go. I wonder if there's a beauty in that though, like without, because you know, the more, the more you learn, the more you open your eyes up, the more you're like, oh, I don't really know much, but there's almost a beauty in just in the sense of giving yourself the confidence to make that leap because you're a bit naive, as you said, like this is almost a beauty in that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I'm someone that just dives straight in because I know that if I stop and think, I'll second guess everything. So yeah, that's a big part of why I, my my whole process is don't think, just jump. We'll figure it out yeah. later. Because you're listening to this podcast episode, I know you're someone who is always looking for ways to more effectively use their time. That's how I know you'll completely fall in love with the tool I've been using every single morning that is the reason behind my consistent discipline, motivation, and focus. The Focus Planner is the only planner I've ever come across that gives me prompts to prioritize important tasks for the day, grounds me to who I want to show up as in all my balance areas, combines a gratitude practice, and utilizes time blocking to map my day out. And yes, can you believe it? All of this just takes me five minutes, just five minutes to maximize an entire day. If you feel you have that something missing when it comes to making each day productive, trust me, you won't regret trying this out. I've got an exclusive 30% off code just for you. So hit the link in our show notes and use the code balance at checkout. Now let's get back to the episode. And I know you speak a lot about kind of leading with intuition and taking action as opposed to the more structured business plan. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's an element of that, but it is more on the just go for it type attitude. And I think as women, I remember having this conversation with one of the Keeper Cleanup founders, Laura Henshaw, we're talking about the, the, the power of like women having this emotional side in like a head senior role and like leading with that and the power that that can bring versus say a male being in that role. And I think there is um, an unspoken part about like our intuition when it comes to business. Now, as somebody who I have an e-commerce business and I think about myself in like a high board situation, I mean, the business is not there yet, but if and when one day I find myself in that position, I feel like I wouldn't be confident leading with my intuition just because of the way like it's less common that you hear people speaking about leading with intuition. It's more like, well, you know what you're doing or it's a bit more structured. Yeah. And so I just, I, I want to know a little bit about how you empower people to actually lead with that intuition when on the other side is fear and self-doubt, which can be so like compelling at the same time. Yeah, I know so much about self-doubt. It has, it cripples me sometimes and it has, but at the same time, I think we can overplan and overthink everything if we allow time for it to seep in and and so that's why I just know that if I wait too long self-doubt will kick in and with every launch I've ever done I have jumped in straight away I'll literally have the the website and the Instagram up probably that night or if not the next day I'll be already talking to manufacturers and contractors and ordering things and I just jump so quickly so that I don't even have time to stop and think about that And then a week or two later when I launch, which is usually like one or two weeks later, I launch a business after I've come up with the concept. I always, the night before, I say to my husband or my friends, what am I doing? This is just such a silly idea. No one's going to want this. What am I thinking? 
And that self-doubt is there for everyone. I think that the trick is recognizing it and learning not to let it cripple you and stop you and pause and understand it and realize it's there trying to keep you safe. But those thoughts keep you so small as well. So you just have to learn to master your mind a little bit and go. And you know what? Sometimes that might be there trying to warn me that it is a bit of a crappy idea. And I've had ideas that weren't perfect. But like I said before, if you don't try, you need to, you can't always be perfect. Not everything's going to be perfect. Not every launch is going to be perfect. It's like everything in life. But if you let that stop you, imagine all the beautiful things you would miss out on. And that's not just Mm. with business. That's anything in life. I don't know why it is that just when it comes to business, so many of us let that self-doubt creep in where if, if you worked for someone else and they're telling you, you've got this task to do, you probably still have those same feelings, but you do it because that's your job and you do it anyway. If you're going to, if you want to have a child, you do have those thoughts like what if what if it's not healthy? What if something goes wrong? But that doesn't stop us having a child. Mm. But yet when it comes to business, so many women let that self-doubt tell them it's it they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not creative enough, and then they just go back to doing what they've always done. So yeah, I think a big part of why I just leap before thinking is I know that we can evolve just like as humans we evolve as we go. Same with business, just start and then you can evolve and perfect and continue on as you go. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's um, so much power in that and I like the parallel you've just drawn because for everybody listening who's had a thought to start their own business or start their own thing, whatever it is, a podcast, a community, and you've maybe avoided doing that because of self-doubt, you can put yourself in the shoes of the context of what you've just said. You know, do you second guess maybe having a child or, or going for a task when you've been given something at work. The override function of your brain when you kind of go, okay, the self-doubt's there and it's protecting, but I'm going to override it and do it anyway. You're right. There is almost like this hurdle when it comes to business. Yeah. Um, and and I th- like you said, I think it's such a shame because it really does stop people in their tracks. And on your website, you have a really nice tagline. It says self-doubt kills more dreams and failure ever will. And I would 100% have to agree. And, and just on this topic, do you think your self-doubt has taught you anything or some key things that your self-doubt has taught you over the years? Because I think sometimes we can look at it, resist it and think it's just so annoying that I'm experiencing this and be frustrated yeah. by it. But I like the point that you made to accept it and kind of allow it to, to do its thing because it is a protective function. But by the yeah. same token, do you feel like it's taught you anything? Yeah, well, I to be honest, I only recognised it as self-doubt and and my limiting beliefs probably in the last 12 months when I said that I had that whole self-love period about eight months ago I was just feeling unmotivated I felt like you know my my business that I'm in now Supple Skin Co it took off like absolute crazy when I launched it I made seven figures very quickly in a 12-month period I did all of this from home just with myself and my brother helping to pack orders So no staff, very low overheads and making these incredible dollars and such a passionate community. And then I went through this period, which I think was a combination of COVID and having my child where I was in different seasons. Like I said, I wasn't focused on work. But then when I came out of it on the other side, I just had so much self-doubt. I'd lost the engagement with my community. I I wasn't feeling creative. So I felt like I don't even know what to post about in my business. I don't know what to talk about. And then I started getting that feeling of, I'm not good enough to run a multi-million dollar company. I don't have what these other CEOs have. What am I thinking? 
I don't know how to talk to people. They don't want to listen to me on the stories. All this self-doubt kicked in. I started thinking my business, I was almost at the point where I thought I have to close, I have to sell this because I do not have that. Self-sabotage level. Yeah. And I realized it was because I think I needed that self-care period where I regrounded, found out, like I said in that TikTok video, I forgot who I am. I forgot what I've achieved and what I've been through. And when I stopped to focus on myself and reflect, I thought, of course I can do this, you know? <laughs> like, of course I can achieve these things. Look at what I've conquered in the past. I, I created this business. I've been through this. Why can't I do it? And I also think a big part of it is I'm very much an introvert. And my whole life, I, I realized when I recognized what self-doubt and limiting beliefs are, is that I think these were holding me back because I'd started all these incredible businesses and I would get them soaring and then I would sort of plateau a bit. And I feel like so many of these businesses could have been nine-figure businesses, you know, like so many of these could have gone up and just gone absolutely crazy and been a huge success story. But I feel like that limiting belief was always there saying, you're an introvert, you can't be in the spotlight. So whenever I would be because we, we did TV interviews, we had the morning show come out when I had my superfood cafes. I had um, all these articles and interviews and I started to feel like I'm an introvert, I can't be in the spotlight. So I think without me realising it, it was keeping me small and I'd get mm-hmm. to those soaring heights and then I'd start to play small again. Mm-hmm. And I just kept going through these cycles. And I did a lot of work on myself and I realised that none of that is true. These are just stories that I've told myself over the years. And it goes right back even, I think back now that I recognise it, I think back to things I did in high school and things I did when I was younger. And it's so obvious to me now that I kept telling myself this same story, that no one, you know, I'm a Leo, which should be quite out there and centre of attention, but I'm also an introvert, so it's pulling me back. And I think I was successful with these businesses because the Leo in me was just like breaking free, going crazy. And then the introvert would pull me back down again. Mm-hmm. And once I learned to recognize that all of these stories I'm telling myself just weren't true, they were just stories, you recognize it, you rewrite what the truth is, which is, like I said, of course I can continue this business on and grow it. Look at what I've achieved already. That's just the voice trying to keep me safe. I mean, we're designed to try and, as humans, to live in a safe space. So it's like that animal instinct, you've just got to survive. So if you step outside of your comfort zone, it is scary. And it does take risk, but it's so rewarding when you take that risk. Yeah. Whether you've achieved what you wanted to or not, I feel like either way it's quite rewarding because you've learned something new. You're not just in that little safe zone. Yeah, absolutely. And that safe zone has so many levels as well because I, I, I think the more you do something, so now you're quite familiar with like launching a business, right? And so mm-hmm. you being in that space may, may now feel safe, but it's then when you start to push that, that that self-doubt will creep in. So it's kind of like you get comfortable, you feel safe, and then you push the limits and then the self-doubt comes in. So it's kind of like this constant yes. building thing. So it's really important to, like, as you said, kind of find the source of it and and go yeah. to it directly. But I want to get a little bit more granular on that experience for you. And, and I know for different people, like different tools and tips will work at different moments in their life. But that self-care period for you, what did that involve for you to actually get to the bottom of that self-doubt, for you to work through it and for you to rewrite that new story? Because I think sometimes yeah. we hear these things and we hear people telling us how they work through it, but how did you actually how? do that? Yeah. Like what worked for you? Yeah, well, a big part of it for me was looking after myself because I hadn't done that in so long. 
And I know that it's annoying when people preach about exercise and fitness. <laughs> and I used to get annoyed about it all the time. I was like, yeah, I know, but I don't have time for that. But it truly makes you feel incredible. The motivation and how great you feel after you've had a workout, it changes something in your brain and it gives you that extra life and you feel inspired and you feel like, especially when you do it early in the morning, I feel like I can achieve anything and anything that I was stressed about before the workout afterwards, I have the answers. So it was self-care. So I did an eight-week challenge, which that was my focus for that eight-week period. And I gave it a hundred percent. And in the years prior, I had always tried to commit to a challenge and I never did. But this one challenge, I made the decision before starting. I was like, right, if I can't commit for eight weeks, that's kind of, you know, I can do this. I want to teach my kids. It's just eight weeks. I want to show them that I can do anything I set my mind to. If I can't do eight weeks, then I can't do any of these other things that I want to do. So I made the commitment. I stuck to the eight weeks. I had incredible results. And that taught me that I can do anything again. And that helped me remember who I was at the core, that I can do things that I set my mind to. So it started with the challenge and then it went on to just really caring for myself internally as well and nourishing myself. I think that's a big thing because when you haven't broken a sweat, when you don't nourish yourself with vitamins and nutrients, your brain plays tricks on you (laughs) and you can get into this real slump where you just don't feel motivated, you don't feel inspired. Mm. And it's not your fault. It's what's happening internally and not getting enough sleep, which is something I'm guilty of. I definitely don't get enough sleep. Mm. But when I do get the chance, my boy's too, but he still wakes up for me occasionally. Imagine what goals I'm going to kick when I get a full night's sleep. So it was really focusing on that period. And I did that for months. And that I think funnily enough, TikTok helped me absorb the self-care and self-love because I'd posted my eight-week challenge video and that went viral and then people were saying, I want to see more of what you do. I want to see more of your routine. And so I was filming parts of my day and it just made me enjoy all those little moments so much Mm -hmm. and it made me want to do it more and more and more. And then I posted a cleaning video that wasn't meant to go viral. It was showing what a mess my life was because I'd been so busy and it went viral and then people wanted to see more cleaning. So I accidentally became the cleaning TikTok, which (laughs) <laughs> I never wanted to be. But then all maybe of a hint sudden, hint at your next business. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But then I became obsessed with the the great feeling I got out of vacuuming and like polishing up my bathroom. It felt so good to me to do those things. So it wasn't even for TikTok anymore. I would put on a podcast, I would put my gloves on and I would just clean and zone out. And I wasn't thinking about business. I wasn't thinking about family or responsibilities. I was just cleaning and listening to a podcast that made me feel good. And those moments just regrounded me and made me feel passionate and excited again. Mm. And I can see like one commonality between all the things you've said and you've almost romanticized or brought to life the the mundane parts of yes, your day to day. You've cre- yeah. you you've turned them into just bits that are, you know, part of the status quo to moments that you yes. actually are present for. And I think and that's really powerful in in regrounding. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that because I, as I was posting these things, I was getting these messages from women all the time on Instagram and TikTok saying, thank you for making me enjoy because they were stay-at-home mums. They didn't get out of the house much. They didn't have work that excited them. And they would say, thank you for making me look forward to my daily cleaning. Thank you for making me feel good about just the mundane of every day. So 100%, it was romanticizing those little moments of your day, even the washing, like, people you know 
I love doing my washing and my linen and adding those little scent beads that you see all over TikTok. Just when your washing smells good, it, it like ignites something in you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're just tapping into all the senses that we take so for granted when we're just yeah. going, going, going all the time. And, yeah. and back to what you said, and you really started at exercise and uh, most people listening will, will also have like a very strong workout routine. The thing I personally love most about exercises, especially if you're feeling like you're in a bit of a funk or you're feeling a bit unmotivated, is that it gets you out of your head and into your body. And I feel like in moments where you're drowning in that self-doubt or you're just thinking all the time, just exerting a bit of force and feeling different parts of your body, putting the focus there is such a quick way to get yourself out of your own head. And the other thing you said, um, which I think is powerful in moments like that too, is this element of accountability. So for you, it was your kids. For other people, it could be their communities online or their, their partner or their best friend or their gym yeah. coach or whoever it is. But that accountability will really help. Like It's like a guiding hand when you're in yeah. those moments. Sometimes you just need a bit of help and that extra person or people or community to bounce off, I think, can be really powerful in those moments. I do want to ask you, though, so having gone through that period where you kind of work, 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 COVID, then you had this moment where you really had to reground yourself. Now with a bit of hindsight, what do you think you could have done better in the period leading up before that? Do you think it was just like out of your control in in the sense of, you know, mix of COVID and and postnatal Mm -hmm. timing in your life? Or do you think that there were parts of you that were too neglected that you kind of never revert back to and you've learned a lot from now? I don't regret any of it because I've had, as you know, I've got four kids and with the first three, I was a lot younger. I wasn't as settled. The first, the first one I worked for someone else. So it was like, you know, you're nine to five. She went to daycare every day as a baby. The next two, I was starting my other businesses and some of them were superfood cafes. So I was at the cafe early in the morning till it closed each day. And we opened so many of them in a two-year period that, again, my children were at daycare from start to finish. With this one, it's the first time I've worked from home the whole time. So when I had him, it was very intentional that, you know what, this is my last child, as much as I wish <laughs> I could have more. This is my last child. I'm going to just absorb every moment of this and enjoy it and soak it in. And even though it like it 100% affected my business, my dollars dropped by about 30%. It was extreme. Because I was posting if I was lucky once a week. I was doing an EDM if I was lucky once a month for those first few months. I just was not focused on the business. And because I was, I didn't have other people working with me, that makes it very hard. Mm. Um, I did yeah. have someone helping me out with social media and she did such an amazing job. But it's also hard when it's not yourself yeah. talking yeah. in your brand yeah. voice and explaining things the way you want to. So, yeah, I did take my eye off the ball when it came to business but I don't regret it because I'm not getting that time back with my son it's my last child and I don't think other people should feel guilty about it either because I chose in that moment to make that decision I don't regret it if I had another business if I had another child I would probably do the same thing because that to me was That's more your rewarding. season yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. so I could no, have beautiful. done things differently but I wouldn't yeah 
No, that, that's beautiful. And I think, um, I mean, that's the goal at the end of the day to, to give people the strength to not feel guilty for how they've spent their time and, and yeah. view it more as this is aligned for me right now. This is aligned with my goals or what I want or what are my, what my priorities are right now. Yeah. So we yeah. stop feeling guilty because it's so easy to fall into that. Well, I just need to spend, I feel guilty. I haven't done enough time at the gym this week when, you know, you also have a competing, um, financial goal that particular week that needs more of your time you know so it's about just balancing out the priorities and then adjusting the habits and exactly day to day accordingly yeah. so that's all good things I've really really enjoyed getting to know you and a little bit more about your journey on the show today so thank you so much for coming on this morning or this afternoon thank you so time. much for having me <laughs> absolutely um, if the listeners want to connect with you a little bit more where's the best place they can go and I'll pop some links in the show notes uh, if I'd say the easiest is just to go to my Instagram, Candy Coco Camp, and I have a link there with everything, with all the links. You can find it yes. all there. Perfect, perfect. And you'll all have to follow her on TikTok too because the content <laughs> is good, I will, I will say. Oh, all right, Candy, I'll so pop much. links to all of that below. Thank you again so, so much. And I'm so excited to watch you continue to grow and, you know, blow the roof off your own expectations. Yeah, watch the space. Thank you, Erica. You're welcome. 